We're all ignorant just on different subjects, uh, in my case, a lot of subjects, and energy efficiency being one of them. I, I mean, to my way of thinking, it, it, it costs what it costs. I pay what I pay. My way of energy conservation is to turn off the light when I leave the room, the way my dad taught me to, because he was the one paying those bills when we were kids. I think most of us had that dad or that mom who, who, who tried to instill that in us, and most of us try to live up to that. Beyond that, though, there are so many things that, that I'm learning, even at this late date, I'm still figuring things out when it comes to this. I mentioned last time you were in here a couple of things we've done. We're in the process of just basically gutting and starting over almost the house that we bought a, a few months ago. And one of the things involved, well, a couple of things. We have better windows, newer windows, more energy efficient windows, uh, and, and also blew some insulation up into the attic. I mean, looking forward to having those things pay for themselves over the years. Yeah, just take the windows alone. If you happen to have windows that are facing the afternoon sun, and you don't have shades on them, uh, and, and you're letting that heat come into your house, okay, it is heating up that room. And if that room happens to be where the thermostat is, then that AC is going to cycle more. And, Tim, it's not so much the lights these days that are causing energy bills to be high because these LED bulbs cost hardly anything to operate. It's the big items, the HVAC system, mm -hmm. the dryer, uh, and so... By you having these windows maybe that are slightly tinted or double-paned or triple-paned, you really are, depending on, the, on, on which way they're facing, you know, you, you, you know, you're going to save yourself 10 or $20 a month just you know, by having those windows. Well, let me back up here. And Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner. And, and look at this thing, really, really big picture. And we'll drill down and get to some specifics as we move along here. But I'm going to look at this from a really big picture standpoint. A few years ago, uh, Heidi Davidson was the mayor in Athens. And, and, and it got us all started down this, this think at the sink campaign, that mm -hmm. this idea of conserving water with issues with drought and, and issues uh, the need to save water. And Athens, in a lot of respects, began to set patterns and trends that other places around the state have tried to emulate in terms of water conservation. But I remember asking the question of Mayor Davidson then, and I've asked it of others since. Uh, Double-edged sword here. You're asking me to conserve water. Uh, okay, I conserve water, and, and I help save water, and, and I'm conserving water that otherwise is being sold by the government, in this case being sold by an entity that is trying to sell me water. At some point, if I conserve, doesn't the entity that is selling me the commodity begin to suffer? Can't Don't they begin to feel it at some point? Can I ask the same question about Georgia Power? If enough of us do every single thing, if we all become as energy efficient as we possibly can, Georgia Power and all these EMCs, they're about the business of selling that commodity that I'm not buying as much of anymore. Won't they feel it just like any other retailer would? Yeah, and it is against their business plan uh, to not sell electricity, but we do allow them to be compensated for energy that they don't sell. So this is why people can get rebates, that, that Georgia Power is getting a piece of the action on that. They, as a company, establishes their baseline energy use, and then they, uh, you know, so it's, let's say it's just uh, at... Um, you know, 50,000 kilowatts, and they do all of this work to save energy, and they cut it to 40,000, then Georgia Power is going to be compensated for that if, if it's proved. By whom and how? Well, they're compensated by our rate payers. It, it, is, uh, it is a payment that they get for not selling electricity. So we do incent them, or else they w there would be no incentive uh, for them to participate or help us in any way. So we do want them to 
uh, cooperate. We want them to to be wise in how they're advising people to use energy. I mean, just today, Jackson EMC is coming to my house, my new house. We just moved over the holidays. We downsized. They're coming at 11 o'clock to do a full energy audit, and they'll do this for any customer. So will Georgia Power, and evaluate my house. Now I know a lot about energy, but the experts know more about about it than I do. So when they put the machine on my HVAC system, when they put those little tents on top of the vents, uh, and they and they look at each vent and how much it's putting out, and they look at the returns, they're going to make some adjustments, advise me on things to do that will save me ten or twenty dollars a month, which is money that doesn't go back to Jackson EMC. Yeah, it, it sounds counterintuitive almost. And I'm not be like the guy at the shoe store. Okay, I'm going to come to your house and tell you that you don't need to buy shoes from me. Yeah, I, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but uh, trust me, the the companies are compensated for this. They have their own motivations for doing this. As consumers, you just need to take advantage of it. Stop. Uh, I would say to our listeners, you know, stop, you know, being cynical about this and get an energy audit out at your house. And, you know, Tim, the prepay app that Georgia Power has now, if a, if a person goes onto the prepay plan, they actually are saving 10% without spending uh, any money. Other issues, plenty of them, as we always do. The latest on Plant Vogel, the ongoing construction, the new reactors, nuclear plant Vogel, East Georgia. A court consideration to discuss this morning? Yeah, we had a couple of uh, nonprofits that, that sued the commission, uh, particularly naming me. Uh, and how we handled moving forward in the go, no-go vote on December, I guess the vote was December 21st, 2017. And that uh, lingered in the courts all year, and I guess it was the Friday before maybe New Year's, uh, the the judge dismissed the entire suit against the commission. So that was that was great news and, and certainly a great burden off of my mind. I didn't feel like we had made a mistake, but it was great to have uh, the judge say, no, you, you guys uh, did did the right thing. You're in the clear as far as the law is concerned. So as we sit here this morning, I mean, workers are working. Uh, electricians are doing electrician things. Welders are doing welder things. I mean, the, the work continues. It's coming out of the ground. I mean, I don't. once this plant's finished, I don't know what we're going to talk about, Tim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, I well, mean, will I still be here? I yeah, mean, that's, yeah. that's you know. <laughs> The plant is due to be done, Unit 3, in 2021, and then Unit 4 in 2022. Remember, China now has four of these units connected to the grid. Four uh, AP-1000 Westinghouse reactors, the same identical reactors and technology that we're building, they've finished, and it's connected to the grid. So we can do this, Tim. It's not, uh, not, um, you know, impossible like... Uh, like many people had thought it was. No, okay, China just went to the far side of the moon. So, I mean, China's doing a lot of things that, that we thought we'd cornered the market on some years ago, and now China uh, actually ahead of us on this. Now, they, mm. they don't have the, the regulatory hurdles to jump through that we do, the good, bad, or otherwise. The, 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 the start-to-finish date for them is, is a lot, uh, the, the curve is a lot shorter than it is here. Yeah, they had some of the same similar problems. They had welding problems. I went over there and looked at one of their reactors. Uh, you mean labor problems? Um, they, they weren't using robot, robotic welding. They were hand welding everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, these modules that, again, these, this plant, this AP 1000 is built like Legos. You build it in modules and then you 
set it down with a crane inside the nuclear island. So uh, these giant six-story modules uh, that are made of steel, uh, these things had to be welded together, making kind of like a, a round, almost like a little round silo. Uh, and they had issues with getting quality wells because it is such a large welding project. We're not talking about welding a car fender here. We're talking about welding something that's seven stories high. Uh, and so they had problems. We had problems. Uh, but our plant continues to come up out of the ground. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to be sitting here in 2021 going, wow, we finally did it. We finally got this thing done. Right. A couple of new faces on the Georgia Public Service Commission. Trisha Pridemore came on board at some point last year. And now just this week with the start of a new year, a new Public Service Commission. Yeah, Jason Shaw, who was uh, – he's actually an olive farmer from uh, – from Lakeland down near Valdosta. Down near Valdosta. Yeah. And uh, he was a state representative, and Governor Deal appointed him to replace Doug Everett, who, frankly, Commissioner Everett was 83, was having failing health. And uh, and, and I tell you, you know, having a legis- a fresh legislature, legislature on the commission is going to be such an asset because we interact with that legislature every day, particularly on this broadband stuff, Tim. The state is is going to take some action on getting better broadband DSL coverage, and the commission wants to be a part of that solution. We do have some constitutional authority over telephone services, and having this new legislator there to kind of be our emissary uh, back to the Georgia legislature is going to be huge for us. You mentioned broadband. Any regulatory position there for the public service? Any regulatory status for you folks there? Because I know that's a huge concern, uh, making broadband, making Internet access more available, not so much here in Athens or Atlanta, but, but rural parts of Georgia. You know, it, it's crazy that the legislature strictly forbid us from doing any broadband, DSL, cell phone, Internet, or any other emerging technology. This is actually enshrined in Georgia law that we cannot do this, and we're wanting them. Is the legislature to telling you to that. stay in your lane? Yeah, exactly. They're telling us to stay in our lane, but you know, our our lane is landlines. But landlines are going away, sure. and we've got the structure. We're like a court. And most of our listeners have never been to the PSC, and there's a judge's bench. The only thing we don't have is robes. Uh, but we're sitting up there. We're settling disputes between utilities and phone companies, and we've got a stenographer. And you go in and you think you're in a courtroom, and that's one of the things you need when you're settling disputes within all of all of this and having hearings. You know, within indus- any industry, whether it's electrical or or, or, or gas or telephone, doing any upgrades. That one program alone for 60,000 Georgians is helping those customers save on average of 10, 10% per month on their energy bill. And they're not having to spend any of their cash to do anything other than to change the way that they're paying their bill.